How do you begin to turn an existing code base into a stratified design? Hi, my name is Eric Normand, and these are my thoughts on functional programming. So, in a previous episode, I talked about stratified design and how it's a design characterized by different layers of meaning, semantic layers one built on top of the other, and that this was a a good way to design and structure your application. It's a way that, uh, that kind of suggests a good structure to your code, like what code goes in what module, things like that. Um, But it's also good architecturally. Um, It's, it, it puts things that change uh, frequently together and things that change seldom together which is another good thing architecturally uh, but I had a question someone someone, uh, a nice listener uh, posed a very good question which was the following how do I begin to come up with these base layers so the base layer is the bottom layer if you think of it like a pyramid, where you have, you know, start at the bottom, like the, the ground is the object, I'm sorry, the, the ground is the programming language layer. So all the stuff the programming language gives you, functions, objects, data types, the mathematical operations, you know, all that stuff that you get uh, in the language layer. And then the base layer, what he was referring to, is what's defined directly on top of that, which is a layer, a thin layer of semantic meaning on top of that language layer. And it's thin, meaning it doesn't do much. It doesn't provide much functionality, but it, it's so because it doesn't provide much functionality, it can be really solid. And then you build another layer on top and another layer on top and another layer on top until you're at the layer that changes the most, which is kind of, you know, it's, it's up at the top. It's short because it's built out of more powerful pieces underneath. And so you don't have a lot of code that's changing. The stuff at the bottom changes very, very seldom. Maybe you'll add to it but you shouldn't have to change the things. Now, just as a really simple example, you might have some... You might, in your, in your software, you might have to deal with email addresses. And so you might have these operations on email addresses that are kind of universal, like they're timeless... Email addresses don't change. It's a standard. Um, it's going to be stuff like pull out the domain part. You know you know how you can add pluses to your email address? Well, you might want to have a thing that can remove that to canonicalize it. Maybe there's like a lowercase operation you do. But, you know, these are very standard email address specific operations. So your email address is going to be a string, Right? So that's a language layer. 
On top of that, you're going to build these email address specific operations out of string operations. So it might be use regex or you know two lowercase or whatever functions you have in your language. And then on top of this email address layer, you're going to add the stuff that you need to do with email addresses as your software's domain, right? What are you doing with them? Well, it's their user ID for logging in and, you know, whatever you're doing with that, right? So that's going to change a lot more frequently than these email address operations. Those email address operations, they could probably be useful as a library um, that that would be shared across multiple applications in multiple domains because like email address is such a common data type in software in general and that's what you're looking for something that is so solid and universal that you can build the whole application on top of it and and like never touch it right now, like, like I said, you might add to it because you might realize we're missing something. But you're not going to change the thing that finds the domain. Like, that's... Once you get that right, it's done. Okay. So, how do you go about finding those things in your code? So that, you know, email address is kind of easy because it is a standard already. But you're looking for it in something that maybe hasn't been done before right you're looking for this semantic layer in a domain specific concept all right so without knowing the specifics of the code it's it might be kind of hard to to give general advice but i'm going to try i'm going to give the advice that that i would do not knowing almost nothing about this software okay so I'm also assuming that this is existing working software um, that has been made, you know, by a typical process where you weren't thinking about layers while you were writing it. Okay. So my first go-to refactoring for when I don't know what other refactoring to do. It's not clear. There aren't enough. There isn't enough semantic information to figure out. Uh, like what to do next what I do is I shorten functions okay if I have a function that does has 10 lines in it I try to extract out smaller functions from within it try to come up with good names for them and make that original function shorter because it's just, instead of having like I'll, I'll give an example like you might have a function that's a reduce and it has a an anonymous function in it and then it's you know got the data that it's reducing over um well i would take that anonymous function and i would pull it out and name it like at the top level and that name you know might uh, I'm trying to come up with a, like what is the meaningful operation here? What level of semantics is that is it at? Right? Like did I have a list of employees and so now this 
reduce operation is taking the employees and doing something to them is it at the end is it treating it like employees or is it treating it like data uh what's going on right and so i'm trying to i'm trying to name it like okay this is i mean i'm just coming up with random examples here but this is uh summing up all the salaries of all the employees so i know how much i need to pay them this month right and uh, so I do a reduce, and I'm like, oh, wait, look, inside the reduce, I'm pulling out the salary of each employee. So like that, re- that reduce function, the function I just pulled out, it might have 15 lines by itself. So I go in and I say, what are the things? What's going on? Can I pull things out and name them? All right. This is my go-to refactoring in general when things need to be cleaned up. If I don't know, if I don't know specifically what to do, it's usually a good thing because the mess, there's a lot of mess hidden inside big functions. What I'm trying to do is find all the different layers. I'm trying to find the, the, the different operations that happen at different levels of meaning by pulling them out. If I've got a one or two line function, I know that that's pretty you know, succinct. Like, it's probably just one layer more than what it's, you know, what it's built on. If I have five to ten lines, it's probably skipping layers. And there's a layer in between that I could be building on, right? So this is, like, what to do with existing code where, you know, you don't know where to begin. I think it's a good place to begin. It'll help clarify your code in general, even if you never arrive at some kind of solid base layer that that is like unchanging forever like a universal base layer so it's good in general it might lead you to some understanding all right the next thing is i would be trying to find monoids all right that's just a thing i have i try to find monoids why monoids because there's a thing about monoids which is that they return they take their binary operation so it takes two uh you know entities of the same type two values of the same type and it returns a value of the same type okay so what that means in in this discussion is that you're staying at the same semantic level i take so, like, if I'm, if I'm writing software for a car dealership, I take, well, that's a bad example. Um, well, okay, let's say I'm, okay, so I want to combine two discounts, all right? So I'm, I'm going to have a sale, and I need to represent the discount that you get if you're in this sale. So I combine two discounts. How do they combine? You know, if it's 10% off and another 10% off, do I add them, right? So... I don't want to treat it just like a number because, like, what if you multiply them instead of add them, right? But a discount, you can start to think of it like, okay, this is a real semantic thing because I could have a percent off. I could have a, um, a, like a, a fixed amount off, right? Okay, constant amount, like $10 off. All right, so I have this, I have this operation where I realize I'm adding two numbers, what I really want to do is combine two discounts. 
And so I'm taking two discounts and returning a new discount. Okay, so I'm looking for things like that. Usually they happen with reduces, right? Like that reduction where I'm adding salaries of all the employees. Well, maybe I don't want to be adding salary, like inside the reduction function, pulling out the salary and adding it to the accumulator value. What I really want to be doing is taking two salaries and combining them into a new thing. So maybe I wouldn't consider it a salary. I would consider it uh, an amount of money, right? It's just a quantity of money, number of dollars, something like that. So I combine those two. It's addition, right? But I get a new quantity of money out. And so then it's not just a reduce. It's a map over the employees. So map converting all these employees into their salaries. So a list of employees into a list of salaries. And then I reduce over that. So I've extracted out that part of the reduce function that was was doing two things, right? It was both adding the salaries and extracting it out. Now I have a monoid. It takes two sums of money and it gives you a new sum of money. All right? So this is an operation that um, is, is a candidate for something that is, is solid, right? Now, now you can have a library. Think of it like I have a library of money operations, right, that my accounting department can start to use. I have a library of sale operations. That's stuff like combining two discounts. Maybe they don't combine. Maybe when you com- like they don't add. Maybe when you combine two discounts, it just chooses the greater one. Like if I have a coupon and there's a sale going on, you know, you don't want to give 50% off of something, so the the 30% off coupon trumps the 20% sale, right? You, you like that might be a company policy, right? So this combine operation, instead of doing an addition, which is what you had before, you should be calling this other operation because it, it gives you a place to define the semantics of that operation. Uh, okay, so I'm going to recap. Number one uh, was um, pull, out, pull out smaller bits of functions to make your functions shorter. And you start to get a whole bunch of functions, and now you want to organize them, right? Now, you organize them along the dependency lines. All right, I'll, I'm gonna, that's going to be number three. So the whole idea is, is refactor big functions into lots of smaller functions. That's one. Number two is look for monoids, because monoids are operations that stay, by definition, at a particular... Um, semantic level. They're also, this is a good number three too, they're also monoids that is, they're they're usually combiners, combining operations. And the thing about combining operations that makes them nice is that they're the most complicated kind of operation you'll find. Um, There's a marching band in in the street. All right, so when you have... Uh, you're, you want to do those first because since they're the most complicated, they're the ones that are going to require you to model the data you need more, most specifically. 
Um, so if you do your easy operations first, which is what most people do, they leave the, the hard operations till later. And what happens is they finally get to those hard operations and they realize they don't have the data they need for them. Okay, I have a whole uh, episode about this with a really good example uh, from like real software that I've used. Uh, so I'm not going to go into it anymore. Um, but go listen to that uh, or just imagine missing data because you didn't think about it until later. Um, right. So the, the thing you're trying to do is to find these combining operations um, and define them. They might not be monoids, right? Like you might combine uh, two cars into a fleet. And then, of course, you have fleet combining, right? That's a cool operation. But you might have operations that aren't really combining. Like they're not monoids, but they are combining. Um, the, meaning... They're returning a different thing from what... And the two things... They might have three types, right? But they're still combiners. Those are good things to, to focus on um, at, at first, right? And when you find them, they will help you flesh out the, the, the semantic entity that you need to, to be focused on. Then the other operations become easy around them. And you can do that same refactoring we talked about in number one where you pull them out. All right, so this will be number four, if I can remember it now. Uh, it's, well, something I was thinking about uh, coming back to. Um, right, the, the, the directionality of dependencies. So as you're pulling these things out, you're getting like your, and let's say you leave them all in the same module, which is fine. Uh, this module starts to get bigger and bigger. And what you should be noticing, what you'd be looking for, is what is depending on what. So this, you know, function A calls function B. So that means A depends on B. If A depends on B, there, there's two possible choices. One is A and B are in the same semantic level, absolutely the same. Uh, or A is in a higher semantic level from B. Okay? So if it's in a... And you, you got to, you know, use your judgment here. And you shouldn't just look at two. You should look at them all as a whole start start pulling these apart but you should be looking for a directionality like if a calls b and b calls c and c calls d almost certainly a and d are not in the same semantic level and this happens you know this could happen a lot where you're you're doing something like a, a map over an entity you are, by calling map, map is a sequence operation. So you're treating this entity like a sequence. So you're skipping, you're, you're probably skipping layers, right? It's a smell. 
why am I doing map here? Now, you might be doing map because you have something like um, a sale has a collection of vehicles that are in the sale. So collection, you know, that's, um, that's fine. You're going to do a map at some point because that's part of the semantics of the sale. Um, but in general, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for stuff that like, wait, why is it that A calls B and B calls C and C calls D and then D calls B? Is it because it just happened to have the same shape of data, right? Like maybe it shouldn't, that shouldn't happen, right? Or why is it that B calls C and B calls D and C calls D? Maybe B, maybe I need to create more of a hierarchy between these things. Like maybe D is at a lower level than both B and C, but maybe B has skipped a layer, a level. Maybe there's an operation in C. Now, it's not strict, right? It's not that like a layer can only call stuff one layer below it, but that, that smells, right? It's, it's, it's guiding your nose, uh, guiding you through the discovery of these layers. Um, and if you you know, you should be able to, like, graph it, right? You should be able to say, like, if you graphed them, if you graphed the dependencies in something like GraphViz, you would have, and you let its algorithm, like, bubble it up like a tree, you should be able to see these layers, right? You should be able to see, okay, this is these five operations at the top, these are the the highest level operations and then they call this other layer that goes in here and this other layer and then at the bottom at the leaves of our, our these operations that just call like basic language things right you should be able to see that and I've never done that actually uh, visualized it with a graph visualization algorithm that might be an interesting thing to do but you're always looking to say like you know, relative to these other things that are in its graph, where does it belong? Does it belong with this other thing? Does it belong on this layer or that layer? That's, you know, it's not very specific advice, but I think that that's um, what I do. Now, the, the last thing I want to say is I do have a talk called Building Composable Abstractions that basically tries to approach this like if you've got a greenfield project, a greenfield abstraction, it tries to come from the other direction and, and you know, do a lot more like upfront thinking about how to build this abstraction. Um, and I'll briefly talk about it. I, I don't want to go too deep into it because I have a whole hour-long talk that I was already condensed from, you know, the hours and hours that I could talk about it. But the idea is you you pick some some, you know, core concept in your domain, in your app. 
So if it's like car sales, it might be it might be the the sale, you know, the the promotion that you're running. Let's let's say it is. And uh, then you look for, you know, just like on a whiteboard, you just kind of like write down all the all the operations. Okay. So when I say pick the sale, this is what I mean is you 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 pick that concept and you you really develop the metaphor for it. Develop it in your mind. Think about what is this like? This sale is like um, a it's like if you went to a clothing store and they had a sale there you would go like before the sale starts you go around and you put a ticket like a red sticker on every sale item and that sale that red sticker means it's 10 percent off and then you go through and put a blue sticker on the and that means 20 percent off and so boom automatically you have a a picture in your mind of what a sale looks like so you're basically going through all your inventory and you're tagging cars like what kind of discount they're going to get okay so that's just one possible way to do a sale right i just made that up your sale might be different it might be you know it might be if your name starts with an f you get 50% off but if your name starts with a j you get you know whatever you want to do it's up to you it's up to your business okay but you need to have that in mind before you go into the next step because that metaphor is going to give you answers okay then you go through and you figure out what the operations are on this sale in my case the operations would be tagging so given a car I, uh, I give it a tag, which represents a discount. I'm also going to need a uh, representation for discount, like what the color tag means, right? So I'm going to have maybe, you know, something that maps. Blue means 20%, green means 30%, you know, something like that. So I'd have that also as a concept. Um, and... Um, Right, so you go through and you find all the operations and you start with the combining operations. So a combining operation in a sale might be something like, um, you know, if you have, you, have a, uh, you have the sale, you want to add a new car to that sale, right? So like not all the cars are on sale, but you add cars to the sale. How do you do that? Do you add one car at a time? Do you add, like, all the 2018 cars are now on sale? You know, you, you come up with that operation, uh, and those the, these combining operations are the important ones. Now, this is an iterative process, so you might not get it right the first time, right? You, you, you do that, and you you've try to figure out what these operations are. And if you have to, you start over, and you find different operations. All right. Then... You take those operations and you implement them as functions, okay, functions on data. And then you can test it out, right? It's not, it's not implement, it's, let's say, model it with code. <laughs> so you're not, this isn't the final implementation, right? The final implementation is going to involve the database and, you know, AJAX requests and stuff like that. This is just model it in memory, 
with code so you can play with it, maybe visualize it. And then step four is implement it once, once you've worked out all the, the kinks in it. Okay, watch the talk. It's much better than what I've just done right now. Building composable abstractions. I've given it both in closure uh, at the conj um, and in uh, the, you know, the closure conference and at OSCON in JavaScript. So functional JavaScript, if that's what you're into. Um, they're both on my site, lispcast.com. You can find them there. All right. Uh, I hope this answered the question. I hope it wasn't too ranty and rambly. Probably was. Um, I apologize. But um, this is kind of a deep topic, so um, I had to. Uh, my name is Eric Normand. This has been my thought on functional programming. And if you want to get in touch with me, ask me more questions. I love it. I love getting questions. I'm at the audience size now where I feel like I'm getting a regular stream of questions, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, right, so get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter, at Eric Normand. Uh, you can also email me, uh, probably better for questions, eric at lispcast.com. Lispcast, L-I-S-P-C-A-S-T. And uh, you can also... Find me on LinkedIn if that's your bag. So, see you later. Bye.